Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Thursday, October the 28th, and a happy Reformation week. It is one of those weeks where you look towards this Sunday, and many people are buying candy, but for us, we continue to focus again on the four solas, or the Christ al- the alones of the Reformation. Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, and scripture alone. And we continue in that truth as we study the inspired and true word of God and put on our Christ goggles in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is one of the chapters I think most people know about in Ecclesiastes, if not in the whole scriptures. We put it on our wall hangings, we will sing the songs, we will go through all of this, and we assume we know the story, we know the background, we've really dug into it, which I know for me, I haven't done as much as I should. So today, the Holy Spirit will open our eyes once again, not only to see the truth, but to see Christ as he speaks to us today. For the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation of your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us regular guest, Reverend Dr. Nathan Metter, now Executive Assistant to the District President of of Mission and Mercy for the South Wisconsin District in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Pastor Metter, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It's good to be back, and it's good to see that uh, you're still fighting over that uh, four-and-a-half-mile-long job title that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What did I get right, and what did I get wrong? Executive assistant to the district president. (laughs) Go ahead. The the beauty of all of that is that big, long title, that and four bucks, I'll get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It sounds way more impressive than it is, but uh, no, no. since September 1st, I've had the privilege of, of being part of the district district staff here, and uh, it, it's been a, an amazing transition as, as as I spent 25 years as a parish pastor, which was the you know holding the the prophetic office, you know announcing the word of God, forth telling the gospel, and now over these last couple of months, I've been in a position now where I am transitioning. Um, to the role of holding up the prophet's hands, um, mm. to come alongside uh, local pastors, local congregations, local mission partners, and, and reach out and encourage them and equip them and and uh, support them in their in their ongoing work of faithfulness in word and sacrament ministry as they seek to engage their communities. Um, and we have such a disparate community in the South Wisconsin District, 205 congregations, um, uh, many of which which can be described as urban as urban can get, uh, suburban as suburban can get, and rural as rural can get. So we have uh, mm. so many different opportunities. And like yesterday, I was uh, I had the privilege of uh, leading chapel at one of our fastest growing uh, Lutheran schools. Um, now, it doesn't mean it's the biggest, but in the last couple of years, they've doubled their enrollment, you know, went from mm. 35 to 70. So it was really phenomenal to be there. And then I had an opportunity to uh, to work with a pastor who is in one of our uh, city congregations who is really struggling with with an aging population, uh, inability to connect with the local community. Uh, and, and you could just almost hear the sense of desperation. And we had a conversation at the end of the phone call. You know, he was like, okay, let's, we've got a plan. And then last night I was able to sit in on a, on a community meeting dealing. We have a 
a horrendous crisis in the city of Milwaukee uh, with reckless driving and senseless loss of life. And uh, a couple of our urban pastors asked me to to be present and just kind of listen and, and see. So that was that was my day yesterday. And today's it, it seems like there's a different there's a different list of things to do, not the least of which is getting to spend an hour with you. So uh, and it is a it is a joy to first of all this is a reminder for our listeners that uh, to pray for our district officials in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod we have 35 different districts and that just doesn't mean they have a building where they sit around as pastor has said so well is that you have a district president and then you have other workers that are there holding up the prophet's hands as we know of Aaron when he held up Moses's hands and that's what that's what they do so keep pastor Metter and in South Wisconsin and the 35 districts in your prayers because sometimes you're like you said you're you're you kind of you're kind of in your own little island at times, but yet you're there to serve. So it, it's right. definitely something that we want to lift up, and obviously it's all about Christ. So tell me this. How's your family? Your family's doing really well. Uh, now they're they're all in college or out of college, uh, mm. and uh, that's interesting. We are we are struggling, and, and, and the struggle is real with the empty nest. Oh, um, yeah. You know, uh, between uh, well, at home now it's it's my dear bride Jill and my eighty pound lab Marty, uh, and, and a big house, and it's kind of although although our youngest son is on fall break, so he's home, and and uh, so it's it's nice to have him home, but uh, it, it's it's still a transition as we watch our kids kids grow. Um, although, and now's the time for me to just publicly say I'm ready for them. I, I'm ready to transition from empty nest into, into uh, the grandpa, but uh, I would really like them to get married and do that kind of stuff first. So, uh, you know, so, uh, um, so yeah, I've got uh, between, uh, and unfortunately for me, the, for that desire, the only, the only one that's actually dating is the 19 year old and he can take his time a little bit. So take his time. Well, you said it publicly <laughs> over for the world to hear. So keep that in your prayers too. Huh? That's <laughs> right. I've got a, I've got an, I've got an older son and an older daughter that are both eligible. So if you want to send your candidates to me, I will vet them and pass them on. So. No doubt. Yeah, I, I like that procedure as a father of four. I like that procedure. So, Pastor, today we, I mean, this is exciting for me. I, I intentionally made sure that we only had a few verses to go through this because they're so rich and it's so well known, but much of it I've never really dug into the way that I should. So I'm excited for to have this conversation, to have this study, and the Holy Spirit leads us. So can you ask the Lord's blessings on our, our study today in prayer? Absolutely. Lord God, Heavenly Father, your word is indeed our great heritage. It's our root. It's our source. Uh, it's the one who became flesh, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, you, your, your servants in the, in the New Testament have said that uh, in the fullness of time you have come. And today we are, are rejoicing in that time aspect that your, your servant Solomon is sharing with us. And we pray that, that our time would be invested under the, the leading of your Holy Spirit so that we might uh, be led to a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation, um, uh, not of fatalism, but of faith that sees our days and, and our moments in your hands. Uh, as we seek to be faithful in in stewarding this, tre- this this tremendous treasure that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, so uh, be with uh, Pastor Fenner and myself and those who are listening this day, uh, that that we might be fed and encouraged and strengthened uh, to use our time uh, for the sake of the kingdom. 
We pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions or thoughts on our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or send us or give us a call, um, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850, and we will address it according to what we have in Scripture. So, Pastor, we come to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we just came mm-hmm. upon a lot of vanity, and it's a unique yeah. connection. It's a transition, really, to a poem. It's a reflection to a poem. Chapter 2 was was a fascinating ride, and it ends with striving after the wind. That's kind of a very common statement. And so we come to this, right. it really is like, wow, this is different. So how do you want to begin today as we start off on the right foot? Well, beginning, you know, there there is a phrase, and I've heard this discussion multiple times, you know, and you and I have, in our in our tenure as parish pastors, we have spent um, a lot of time in cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and a thought that kept coming back to me is a conversation that I've had more than once is as you're sitting there with loved ones and, and, and we've just, uh, we've, we've heard the word of God proclaimed to us. Uh, what we see at the time of a funeral is, is very, is, is, is heartbreaking. It is brokenness. It is separation. We are seeing the evil of death, but then in the midst of it, sometimes we're at the cemetery, especially on the nice days when nobody's in a hurry to leave. Um, we go around and perhaps we slide over to uh, a grandma, a grandparents' uh, uh, headstone, and we look at this, and 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 our eyes are often drawn to the numbers, okay, the names and the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there is, I think, and and I've heard had this before. What is forgotten when you're looking at a headstone is that that the life is not contained in the numbers. There's the dash. You know, so there's often, you know, you know, when you when you look at many of the headstones, there is a date of birth, and then there's a dash, and there's a date of death. But our life is lived in the dash. And, and, and that's where Solomon spends these eight verses talking about that dash, um, which is which is far more. Um, you know, you look at the two dates at a headstone. One is uh, one is excitement. You know, uh, you have four children. I have three children. These are the days. You know, those those particular days when the children arrived are among the happiest uh, happiest moments of our lives. You and I have stood at the graveside of members. We have stood at the graveside of families uh, of family members, and we've seen the other number. Um, but everything takes place. All the, all the rest of our memories um, are 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 hung around in the dash, and 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 it's in this. This dash is not a random chiseling on the granite. There's all kinds of tremendous things in it that we need to consider. And 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 as we look at this passage, the important thing that we understand is all of them. All of those moments, you know, if you think of a dash as a line or a line segment, you know, we, we, we think of just like a, you know, if I were you know, got a whiteboard behind me, if I were to draw a line, you know, we, we think of it as a continuous thing. But a, the definition of a line in, in, in a math class is, is a series of points. Okay. So, so we live, that dash is a series of points between a beginning and, a, and an end. 
And each one of those points, each one of those points in the dash is ordered by God Almighty. None of them are random. None of them are accidental. Each one of those dots on the on the line that is the dash between the date of our the date of our birth and as we would say the date of our rebirth in baptism, and the date of our death, the date of the time when we go from uh, uh, the 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 church militant to the church triumphant, every one of those dots is under God's control. And that's very helpful to set it up. What I was reading uh, as I studied this is to make sure that when we read chapter three, especially the first eight verses, that this is not a prescriptive reality. So a time to to be born, a time to die. Okay, okay, how do I do that? Or a time to kill and a time to heal, uh, heal excuse me. And you're like, right. okay, that's definitely not a prescriptive, but definitely a uh, descriptive. And I love that. You look at the dash. I've never really thought of it in that way. Um, I usually think of the history, like, oh boy, that's you know, that's during this time, that's during this time. But yeah, the dash, the yeah. laughing, the mourning, the the building, the the you know, the taking down, the silence, the right. speaking, all of that captures right. that so beautifully. Anything else you want to highlight before we dig in? Well, I, and I re- really appreciate you know, we, you used you used one of the lines that I would have loved to include it as well. Again, this is descriptive. This is descriptive because the the points that make up Nathan Metter's dash are going to be different than the points that make up Brady Finneran's dash, you know, and, and they're going to be different than for any one of our listeners right now. Um, but that's the beautiful thing. The one who's laying, who has laid out those points from before the foundation of the world has control of it all. So, and I think that's important for us to, you know, as we are, you know, you go vanity, 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 chasing after the wind. Mm. But this dash is not chasing after the wind. This is not some random chance. You know, our life, you know, our, you know, just like, just like I like to say that our created origins, our origins, um, you know, when you look, when you think of creation, uh, and you look at the order, you think, look at the detail, you look at the magnificence and the grandeur, you cannot help. There is no way in the world that I can look someone in the eyes and say that this happened by random chance, like the rolling of a dice in a cosmic crap game. You know, the idea of this dash is ordered. It may seem, it may seem random. It may seem out of control, but there is one who controls the wind. There is one who puts the dots on our dash hmm. and it's, it's always in control. Yesterday in our conversation and our study with Pastor Kevin Yoakum um, is one one thing that really struck me with with what he said, and of course I knew it, but you know it's just said a little differently. Is he said Solomon's kind of he's showing life without God, and he brings it back at the end of chapter two, and I find chapter three, especially these verses, where he he shows us that where there is God in the midst of this, and he and he doesn't proclaim it explicitly, but it definitely is assumed that we have a chief scheduler you know the the yes. great secretary that keeps the schedule correct and he is right. he is the one who is in control not only of now but the future right and it's it's a source of comfort there is god and and here how this here's how this looks and where the comfort is 
Uh, and I think there's, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, and and this takes me back to uh, uh, to a uh, sainted professor that I believe we probably both had. Um, I can remember Dr. Lewis Brighton standing in one of the lecture halls of of Seek uh, Hall and the, on the beautiful campus of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, uh, in his tweed jacket with the leather patches on the elbows, <laughs> and. Um, That's true. This, this man made an impact, but I can remember looking at him, grabbing the lapels of those of that jacket and emphatically saying this, gentlemen, the most blasphemous thing you can ever utter is that something is an accident. Mm. And that because that implies, that implies that God is not in control. You know, so, so, and I think this is the important thing, you know, as we look at life, it is very easy to find ourselves in the position that Solomon is at the end of chapter two, chasing after the wind. You know, I don't know, you know, because like last night I was sitting in a room and it was sitting in a, in a church in Milwaukee and, and the vast majority of the people who attended were family members of individuals who were killed because some 20 to 30 something was driving a hundred miles an hour down a city street, lost control of the car and crashed into their crashed into them and killed them, you know, which is absolutely meaningless, senseless, pointless. You know, I was reading, you know, uh, again, I was reading uh, my, you know, the St. Louis area paper. Cause I was like, teach guys, my family's down there. Uh, a, a police officer in a community next to where my brother lived was on a, on a routine traffic traffic stop, got gunned down. You know, and, and there's a young family at home and, and, and you sit there and you go, this is pointless. What is going on here? And, and, and yet it, it seems like everything's out of control. And in the midst of all of it, I don't understand God because that's not my vocation. Uh, I, it's not my vocation. My faith, however, says that when my when the dots on my dash don't make sense, God is still in charge. There is a time, there is an order for this. I may not always understand it. I may not always like it. I may not always appreciate it, but there is an order. There is, there, there is, God is moving through this dash. Um, nothing is beyond his control. So I think it's time for us to dig in because you've, you've laid the groundwork beautifully. And for us, Let's dig in. Are you ready? Um, let, let, let's go. <laughs> All right. So we'll just do verse one. Reminder to listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Scripture of Ecclesiastes chapter three and beginning basically the, the, the formative part of this whole piece is the first verse. Yeah. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And here, I found it fascinating in the commentary that I read. It was it was basically from this verse, he said, this is a reminder, one, that he's pointing us back to God, and two, that God has not forgotten you. He has forewarned you, and he's forearmed you, reminding us that here he is, he's saying, listen, I've got this. It's all in my hands. And, and he's reflecting, Solomon is reflecting on how God forewarned him and forearmed him for everything. So that's, that's what he unpacked with it. What do you have? Oh, I, you know, and, and that is absolutely true. You know, it, it's one of those things where this then, and, and, and I'm just going to take this dash idea again. 
This then takes the burden off of living in the dash. Because I know that while I may not appreciate the dot that God put there yesterday, and I may not be able to anticipate the dot that he's going to put there tomorrow, I need not fear God's provision, God's protection, God's providence, God's deliverance, because there is indeed a time for everything. There is a season, you know, and, and, you know, that's just it. You and I are in different seasons when it comes to our children. Okay. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. my, my nest be empty. Your let your nest is full of activity and <laughs> life. Okay. Um, and yet there are others who are listening who may would have longed to have had a nest full and they couldn't, you know, so, so we get this and, and we understand that each one of those dots each one of those dots, you know, uh, we don't understand them or we don't always appreciate them, but I can, I can relax back into knowing that as a child of God, I am cared for just like your children, your children, you know, when you come home today, you know, what, you know, how old are your kids, Brady? Uh, they're six. My daughter just turned 16 yesterday. My youngest is 11. Oh, Lord, have mercy. God, have mercy on your soul. <laughs> but, but you know, it's yeah, going to be, you know, their questions are, their questions are, what's for dinner? Not, mm-hmm. is there ever going, is there going to be dinner? I don't like that. I, you know, I, I don't want pepperoni on my pizza. I want sausage, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and because they don't have to, you know, they're not worrying about how am I going to pay the mortgage on this house? They're not worried about, they're not worried about the, the car insurance or the cell phone bill or the... Because that's that's dad's territory. Dad's taking care of that. You know, dad's got all that. You know, mom and dad, they're going to take care of all that. I just get to be me, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and then we have this wonderful gift slash curse of adolescence, you know, that just sit there and you go, Oy. Uh, but but, you know, really, in all honesty, we get the ability when we understand that there is a there is a season and a time for everything under heaven at dad's. Abba, Father, at his direction, under his control, as his child, I can simply sit back and live as that child, realizing that there are going to be seasons in my life with different things going on, but I need not fear because there is, if I understand this is under under my Heavenly Father's control, I need not fear for provision. So it allows me to live freely under the dash. This is a great connection that I recently experienced. And I, these words really, first of all, you realize Solomon's speaking these is what, what we understand towards the end of his life. He's definitely mm-hmm. reflecting on his life. And as yeah. a beloved pastor, brother pastor uh, in our district here in Minnesota North, who has not only served as a pastor, but a football coach for probably 30, 35 years. Mm-hmm. And he has now taken the position that the church he now serves kind of in retirement and he, I said, so how's it going, Bill? And he, and he's like, you know, one of the things I really enjoy is that I kind of have become grandpa to the coaching staff because they're all in their twenties, early thirties. And here mm-hmm. I am in my seventies. And he said, my common line to them is, yes, this is stressful. We're going to get through this. 
And he said, it just changes everything. One, because I know it. I felt it. I'm in the dash. You know, I'm in the middle of the dash. I've been there. I've gone through this. And then there's a, a form of faith there that they know he's a pastor. They know that that he understands the wider, bigger picture. And he's able to say that. So to me, I see Solomon as saying that same thing. Okay, yeah. we're going to get through this. We're going to get through well, this, as a football coach tells his younger coaches. And, and, you know, and I think that's, that's the important. And this is why when you have, you know, for those who are listening today who are seasoned saints, you, you know, you have experienced more of God's provision in the dots on the dash. And with that comes wisdom. And while your, while your hands may not be as strong or your legs may not be as strong as they once were, your stamina may not be as great as it once was, you have a tremendous place in the body of Christ because there are younger, less wise, because they just haven't had the experience, who are coming behind you, and yet we are all at different points on the dash. And you have great you know, this is where this is where it's absolutely critical that, that local congregations have some sort of multi generational ministry. Yeah, not the least yeah. of which is the divine service. Not the least of which is the divine service. I, I you know, okay, I, I, I may well anger some people here. Nothing frosts my gourd more than the concept of kids' church, yeah. where we where we have the kids and then we segregate them out. There is nothing that does, I had this uh, because of an, an illness last weekend. I got pressed into the last minute uh, to 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 preach at a, at one of our congregations. And what was amazing to me, this was a smaller church. I'd never been there before. Beautiful country church, but I saw in in every pew three generations: mm. ma, grandma, and grandpa, mom, and dad and kids. And I saw the kids sitting on the laps of grandma and grandpa, and they were, they weren't feeding them candy. They were walking them through the liturgy. They were, they were helping them listen to what was being uh, proclaimed. And, and, and there is the great joy in that. There is, there, there is this, there is this, the, the place, the generational place that for, for those in our churches, in our local congregations that are in the position that Solomon's in, their wisdom is a combination of, of, of the results of their high points and, and the healings from their low points. And they get to share that wisdom with those who come after them. You know, as we live in this dash, it is invaluable that those who are younger are exposed to those who are older, um, because because there because there is that confidence. We've been through this. God has gotten me through this. God's going to get us through this, and sharing that wisdom. And as we look at that, living in the dash is really going to be a fun ride after our break as we dig into more of the verses, a two through eight, where we see what time is and the time that we are in, all in God's hands. But right now, we take our break. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter three with Pastor Nathan Metter. We'll, we'll, we'll be right back.
And welcome back. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 3, living in the dash in our lives under the Lord with Pastor Nathan Metter. And Pastor, I want to start digging into this next piece because this is a poem, as so we have to remember this, is describing life under, un, under heaven, yes, but under the Lord even more so to remember that the Lord has us in under um, under his thumb, under his grace, under his control. So, Pastor, I want to get it. We're going to go verse by verse, really, through this, beginning okay. in verse two. Verse two A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. So as as you as you mentioned too here, Pastor, he's he's speaking about the dash in the middle of this, and he's un un he's pulling back the understanding that we have of the time, the time we have here, the time that God has given to us. So what is he what is he doing as we begin looking at these times? Well, I, I think it's important that you see, especially I don't think it's an accident where you know, if we're talking about the dash, okay, there are numbers on either side of that dash. Dash if we're looking at our headstone. The point where it begins and the point where it ends. And uh, it's important to understand that none of us, none of us got to pick either of those, either of those points. We are not the author of life. God is. Okay. And, and this sets everything on the dash in perspective. God is the one who starts it. Okay. You don't get to choose your birth. We don't get to, without sin, choose the date of the end of our life. Okay. So, so really, in all honesty, Solomon is actually starting with a life text. You know, Deaconess Tiffany Manor at, in the Office of National Mission would love this verse because life begins at God's direction and it ends in a godly fashion at his direction. We don't get to pick its beginning. We don't get to pick its end. But again, the fact that we have them is a gift of God's grace. Every one of the, so, so it sets the stage that both the numbers and the dash are under God's control and everything in between. You know, again, this is this Hebraic idea. You know, they don't, they don't have those collective nouns. Um, you know, the, the, the Hebrew folks never say everyone, anyone, to, to quote my Tennessee relative, y'all. They don't, ha- they don't have words for that, okay? <laughs> All right? Uh, so, so we get these bookends, a time to, a time to be born and a time to die. God sets that point those two points and every point in between as a gift of grace. And that's so critical for us, you know, and, and, and so, so beginnings, God is the God of beginnings. He begins it. Well, God is the God of ends. He ends it. Well, we may not always appreciate it, understand it, but it's under his direction. And that goes with the planting and the plucking up as well. I think about yeah. the rural areas that I have traveled. Never really, I've never really lived in rural areas, but you just you see it, you grow it, and then it gets it gets harvested. And and for yeah. me, I'm not a big gardener. I don't really enjoy gardening because um, I I kind of have this. Maybe I'm not understanding the Bible well enough either. It's kind of like. Why would I grow it? I'm just going to have to take it down in the fall anyways. Why go through all this work? So there's a, maybe a misunderstanding in this passage. Well, itself, other, than but... the fact, other than the fact that you, that, you know, somewhere along the line you want to eat it, you know, because exactly. that cucumber on your salad didn't come from the store. That's right. Know? That's right. I know. I know. So it's, it's, it's a fascinating. You see that in play. And without the understanding of God, you know, it goes with the theme in the whole book. What's the point? 
And what the yeah. point is that God has given us this and it is a gift and he's describing the gifts that are in front of us and the joy and the mourning that happens with it too. So any other thoughts right. on verse two? Well, you know, and I, I think, you know, as we start to talk about this whole concept, as we start to talk about this whole concept of God in control of both the numbers and the dash, beginnings and end, mm-hmm. and, and, and it gives, you know, especially I like the idea that, you know, you talked about the agricultural thing. For those who have who are not avid gardeners and for those who are not, you know, uh, you know, family farmers or, you know, we don't understand all of the details that go in from the time that they drag the plow across until they run the combine and it ends up on my plate. You know, we don't understand that process. You know, all we know is that somewhere along the line, something out there happened and I get to have my salad today or I get to have my, you know, bratwurst or whatever, you know? So, um, there is, there is, and when we contemplate it, it, it's, and then that's one of the things, so many of our, our farmers right now, you know, the best thing that can happen to us is we look, as we deal with some of these supply chain issues, as we turn around and we realize, oh my goodness, there are a lot of moving points. There are a lot of moving parts in these dots on the dash. And, and, and it's only when, it's only when they become out of control that we really consider them. And, and, and that's much to our, uh, detriment. You know, we, we should be more mindful of the way God is living and active in our lives every day. Not, not just Sunday to Sunday, not just on Sundays, but every moment of every day, God's dotting the dots. And that connects us once again, as we look at the Old Testament, he's, he's connecting the dots and, and he's always connecting it back to Christ. This whole, yes. this whole idea of the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, and, and right. Jesus reminds us that he's the one who's, who's, who's uh, leading all of that. I mean, that it really brings it back um, full bore as we look at it. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking of going on a verse three. What are your thoughts? Go ahead. Go ahead. Charge right, let's do it. Other, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, we're going to have to we're going to have like three minutes to do the last five verses. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Verse three. Once again, this one is an important passage for us. Remember, this is describing what happens in this broken world. Verse three. Yeah. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. And and this is this is the reality of this world that he is he is definitely describing his time. There was war everywhere. Maybe we don't see it as much in our culture at this time in history, but Solomon definitely would have. He would have known this. The, 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 the people, who, his elders of the faith and the stories would have known this as well. He would have seen the walls that they built up that maybe weren't always the most stable, that they could go down just by one um, one group coming and tearing them down. They had to build them back up and just saying, this is life. Any, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, and that's just it, you know, while, you know, and, and I, I'm just thinking of the, the meeting I sat in last night, you know, uh, until until that your particular block in the wall gets knocked down, we don't always appreciate it. Hmm. But there is this description of what life is like. Okay, this again, this is describing, you know, um, at times what God is describing is beautiful and wonderful at other times. It's 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 heartbreaking. And yet the eyes of faith, which is, you know, faith created by the Holy Spirit, who shows us how God has created and redeemed this. It, it helps us see beyond what is this, you know, 
it, it helps us to see beyond the things we don't like, okay, and focus us on that one who has everything under his control. That that you know this you know basically you know you you can you know Solomon poetically does in you know eight or nine verses what Saint Paul captures in one verse of Romans eight. God works all things for good of those who love him and call them for him. He doesn't say all things are good. I'm very sensitive about that. I, did a devo- I tried to do a devotion like that at, at, on Vicarage in a house of a woman who had just been diagnosed with breast cancer, and she threw me out of the house. She says, don't you dare tell me that this cancer is good. It right. took me 20 minutes to talk my way back in to say, you're right. Cancer, cancer sucks. It's awful. It's terrible. Death is terrible. Um, but... But there is this one who is working all things for good. God can take wars and rumors of wars and cancer and heart disease and divorce. And and while it leaves death and destruction in its wake, it's it there there God has the ability to take these horribly ugly things and 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 do tremendous things. I will, you know, if you, you've you've heard my stewardship uh, presentation, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. you know that one of the single most imp- the the worst day of my life, and the single most important day of my of uh, 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 that happened in 1975 when my dad decided he didn't want to be our dad anymore. Everything that's you know, and that was a horrible day. I you know, at times, you know, I, at times I still struggle with it. I'm fifty, I'm almost fifty-two years old, and I still struggle with what happened when I was five. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is not. But as I look back on it, you know, some forty-five years after the fact, I can see how that horrible day opened up the opportunities to get me where I am today. And if that doesn't happen in 1975, I'm not sitting here talking to you. Mm-hmm. There's a very good chance, you know, you know, I love my wife and my kids. There's a very good chance that I'm Father Nathan with no family. You know, Lord have mercy. Know? Lord have mercy on us all. Oh, amen to that. <laughs> amen to that. Although I would, although, although I, 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 I do kind of like those pointy hats, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> oh. Do you have more to share on that? Sorry, I don't. No, I didn't mean no, I, but I, I, no, no. I think I think that's the important thing when we understand that that yes, there are times when things must die. There are times when things need to heal. There are times when we break down. There are times we, and just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that God's not doing good things. And and this is where we trust not what we see. But the nature of the one who is who calls us his child, we see we know the heart and and how do we know the heart and nature of this one? He's also the one who gave his one and only son for us. If he's gonna if he's gonna work on the big thing, he's not gonna let the little details slide either. And this is where one of the beloved saints that I had visited had gone through. This is at my first church. Um, Mm-hmm. In South Wisconsin, and a beloved, now sainted individual just talked about how going through the list of struggles that they had, the toil that they had in their lives, and they said, "But I know the Lord worked through it all." And I yeah. find that to be another interpretive key as we look at these this part of Ecclesiastes. 
And so let's continue with that because verse four definitely has the same tone or the same idea as it does in verse three. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Verse four is probably one of those that really is troubling to me is because I don't want to dance ever. It's not good for anybody, not good for me, not good for those who might watch it. It's not good at all. So that's one part I have to say. I'm not sure if that part is inspired for me. So other than that, though, I oh, think it is. Oh, Brady Sinner, and that means I need to show up. I, sh- I got to show up at one of your weddings just to get a video of this, you know? Anyway, um, keep going. Sorry, I, 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 I No, I will tell you. I will tell you there is something, you know, uh, one, one year for Christmas, the congregation I served in Wausau, Wisconsin, gave my wife and I ballroom dancing lessons for Christmas. Oh, maybe that might work. Well, you, you I could do, do that. It. I should send I should send this suggestion to your bride and to your congregation, you know, October, <laughs> Pastor Appreciation Month. Get them ballroom dancing lessons because here's because here's what happens is it shows the interrelatedness between the couple. Oh, you know, and 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 um you know, it was there. I learned the 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 most important thing in the dance is the man's frame. And by frame, it's the hand on the small of the back of his, of, of his dance partner. You know, when that hand is there, it's not squeezing, but it's right there. And when mm-hmm. that hand is there, I, you know, my wife, you know, this is one of the things prior to ballroom dancing lessons, my wife would never let me lead because I didn't know how to assert my leadership. I took ballroom dancing lessons. And now you know, all these years, I put my hand in the small of her back and I lock my elbow in and I can take her on the dance floor wherever I want to go. She can fight against it, but I've got control. And that's the way God and that's the way yeah. God leads us. That's the way God God leads our life in the way of the dance. You know, he's got us. He's taking a, he's taking us along the way and, and and it is a beautiful beautiful thing. And, and and you know so so you think about this you know you look at this these, these couplets you know these couplets you know and and let's let's change it let let's talk about it in terms of our life of faith baptisms and funerals weddings and divorces um, health and illness we have all of these couplets and that that all fit into these categories okay that all fit into these categories and yet again God is in the midst of these dance moves in these couplets god is he is guiding he's not grabbing us by the he's not hooking our hooking our nostrils and dragging us uh, across the floor you know he, he's not the caveman beating us and dragging us by our hair he's leading us in this dance that we call life and you know that's one of those things where I can't remember the few times I've done this, you know, where 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 we've either been listening to the music or 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 we've been conversing while we're dancing, and all of a sudden she goes, "How did we get to this side of the dance floor?" Mm-hmm. You know, because I was mm-hmm. I was leading I was leading her into an open spot on the floor because I didn't I, I didn't want to get stepped on, and and at times she didn't even realize how we got there, you know, and because we were just consumed with the dance, and that's how God leads us gently, but to where we need to be. Even though there, even there are times we're laughing, there are times we're fighting, there are times we're tearing, but God is leading the whole way. And so this, this one points me to a great book called Marriage is Like Dancing by Dr. Richard Iyer, um, who was had, part of Concordia Mequon. I actually had the privilege of interviewing him when that book came out on KFUO. 
Oh, very good. It, yeah. it, 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 it is a phenomenal book. I highly suggest it. My wife and I went through that. And we didn't go through dancing lessons after. Probably should now as we think about it. But it's a, a great book and a reminder for this that that life is like that dance. And marriage is like that dance. And, and, and in life, there's the weeping and there's a laughing that it says beginning in verse 4. And I found it interesting that in, in prior to this, that he speaks about laughing and he speaks about this is madness. Why am I laughing? Um, he speaks about the vanity of that. But here he definitely just shows, hey, this is part of who we are. There's times that we weep, time that we laugh and let it's all in God's hands. Anything else on verse four before we move on, Pastor? Now, let's just keep moving. Let's just keep all moving. right. Verse five, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Could be kind of confusing in this. What are your thoughts? Well, actually, uh, one of the commentators I looked at described this. This this is the um, many commentators connect this to the to the husband wife relationship. Mm -hmm. There are times when we should, you know, there 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 are times when we come together. There are times when we should refrain. You know, Paul talks about this, you know, when, when you know, there are times when, you know, that, that we should never withhold our, we should never withhold our, our marital benefits from our spouse. Now, there may be times, short times, where, where, where there, there are times for, for preparation or devotion where we should, where we should abstain. But, but there, there is, and there, there are times reaching, but those times should be short and purposeful. You know, we don't just cut them off, you know, those kind of things. But there there are times when we should be coming together. There are times there are times when when we are, you know, while we are communal beings, you know, you got you know, man, man and woman were created for community. The core of that community is the husband wife relationship. But there is a time, you know, um, there, I, I love my wife enough to know that there are times when I need to leave her alone. Mm-hmm. OK. That's how we've been, man- you know, that's how we've successfully managed to be married for almost 30 years. I know there are times when I need to let her do her thing. You know, um, usually that involves shopping because I'm a terrible shopper. I'm a Navy SEAL shopper. Go in, get what I want, engage as few people as possible. All right. And when, when, when we go shopping together, it always ends up in a fight because I'm ready to go. I got what I want and she wants to go through racks. And it's like, so there are times when we should, we, we should embrace who it is that God has made us individually. But in our families, there are times to come together. And, and, you know, we do the same thing in our congregations. We do the same thing in our communities. There are times when we should come together. There are times when we should be, that, that, that we should, that we should be separate. But it's all under God's direction. It's all under God's direction so that we can see that the community is His creation. And this reminds me, too, in the church, I've had an experience like this where someone went through tragedy, and one of their comments to me was, me and the Lord are not in a, not in a talking relationship right now. Yeah. And, and I really appreciated that lament, and that lament has led to a distance from the church in general, which is mm-hmm. kind of hard at times. That, that hits to the heart because, you know, you love these individuals, and you love them yeah. as part of your—we call it the Messiah family— but slowly but surely, we depend on the Lord because He's got this. It's in His hands, and there's right. times we have to keep your distance. So let's move on here, Pastor. Verse six. Sure. Verse six. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, 
and a time to cast away. So there's a lot we could use of this. We have about six minutes left in our time here, Pastor. So what are your thoughts? A minute or two. Let me tell you the story of Lila Speaker. Lila Speaker was a member of the congregation I served in Plymouth, Wisconsin. She turned 100 years old. She was an avid golfer, but obviously she had a birthday party at the golf course. And at the end of the birthday party, they brought out a roll of raffle tickets. You know, those little the tickets you get, the red ones oh, yeah. and blue ones with the numbers on them. Oh, yeah. And everybody put their name on the back. And she threw everything into her hat. And the names were drawn out in an order. And what she did with her family and her loved ones, she gave them, they, they got an order where they got to come over to her apartment. And pick that one thing of hers that, 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 that she really wanted, that they mm. would love to have as a legacy memory. And, you know, the amazing thing was after it was all done, she said to people and she said to me when I was doing community call, she was, if I had known it was so much fun giving my stuff away, I would have done this years ago. Mm. Because, mm. you know, the stuff. And, and so, so there, there might have been something that she could part with right away. So it went home with them. Otherwise, she wanted to keep for a little bit, but she put the name on the back of it. So that when she finally did go to be with Jesus, she could give it away. So there are times in our life when we are called to, to, to amass, to build, and that, but there are other times that, that we're called to know the joy of giving it away. Now you're into the realm of stewardship again. You know, there is so much joy. There's so much joy in releasing that which God has entrusted to us for the sake of others. And, and when we see that God's in charge of it all, God actually owns it all, um, it makes it a lot easier. I don't have to cling to, I don't have to cling to the, the individual little things, but I can let it go. So, yes, there's a time when kids were amassing their little baseball card collections. Mm-hmm. There, are times, there are times when those <laughs> should be sold. But if your kid's got a box of baseball cards in the attic, don't throw them away. They might be worth something. They could be junk, but, uh, but, but don't throw them away. There are times to release them in the sense of finding out what they're, you know, maybe somebody, that's the whole thing. You know, a baseball card is something I got in a gum pack when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. somebody might be willing to pay for it. So we let them go. We let it, and we're willing to let it go sometimes just for the joy of seeing the, you know, that, that's the, that's the best thing. When you give a gift and you actually see the joy in the face of the recipient, there's something incredible about that. There was a comment made to me once where uh, in Minnesota, the, the common theme is if someone offers you something like oh, I'll buy lunch for you. Oh, no, you don't have to do that. Or they offer you to buy something for you or they give you a mm-hmm. gift or whatever it might be. Oh, you know, you don't need to do that. Kind of a it's a piety. It's, there's some humility with that. I would admit sometimes it's fake, but we do this. And one person said, don't take away the joy of giving from me. Don't take that yeah. joy from me. I thought that was a great stewardship. Oh, my goodness, because people do actually want to give. They do want to uh, cast away, if you will. They want to um, get because the joy is there for them. So don't take away people's joy when they want to give, because from that, there will be many blessings. Uh, Pastor, let's do this. Don't don't be Minnesota nice. Don't, Don't be, be Minnesota, Minnesota nice. nice. See, there it is. We Now it's in the scriptures somewhere. That's how it's said. Right That's there. what verse six means. Let's read the last two verses here, Pastor, and we'll sure. wrap things up with these last three minutes. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Yeah. Pastor, it wraps things up here. And, and as we said, it's descriptive. What is he describing? 
the work of law and gospel. Mm. You know, there's a time to speak. There's a time when, when, when you see someone in your family doing something outside of God's law, there's time for you to speak. There are other times when you, you need to hold silent. You know, when someone, you know, like, like you talked about in that time when, 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 they're, when they're grieving and mourning, um, oftentimes when someone is grieving or mourning, the worst thing you can do is talk. Sometimes yeah, right. it is just simply being present, keeping, you know, you want that, you know, that, that, that person in your congregation wants to keep some distance, but you never let them get too much distance. You just keep the touch, you know, you sit there and you're present. You know, there are sometimes though, when you have to say the hard thing, you have to say the hard thing, you know, uh, no, you should not be living in sin with your boyfriend. No, you, you know, Adam and Steve, you cannot be in a godly sexual relationship. It doesn't happen. You need to be, you need to be direct with that. There are times to speak. There are also times to remain silent. Um, you know, and, and uh, this is, but understand when we speak, the goal is always reconciliation. That's the gospel. In Second Corinthians, you know, you know, God is God is God is in Christ reconciled the world to Himself and committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the goal of our words. That's the goal of our silence. It's always in service to the gospel. And 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 that reality is in this life, there will be problems. There will be divisions. War is going to come. But what's the last word? Peace. Who is the Prince of Peace? Jesus. The ultimate end. Peace gets the last word. God gets the last word in the one who is the word made flesh. It is finished. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be where I am. That's the last word. He is that last word. He is the lasting word. And his goal is to give us peace, not the absence of conflict, not the absence of conflict. You know, that, that, you know, we, you know, when we think, when we think of peace, we think, well, that means there's no war. No, that's not what shalom means. He is going to be present with us in the midst of the battles. He's going to be present with us with his reconciliation between us and God and between each one of us. He's going to be present in the midst of all of those dots so that we can have the peace that knowing that knows that our heavenly father and our brother Jesus has it all under control. I don't think we can say anything, but amen to this. Pastor Nathan Metter, Executive Assistant to the District President of Mission and Mercy for the South Wisconsin District of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, giving us God's strong word of wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Pastor Metter, thank you again for the gifts. My pleasure. Lord bless. <laughs> Saints of our Lord. It's amazing to look at this. At the very end, he ends with peace. And Pastor Meadows said it so well. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the reality of this life that we know it's all in God's hand. At the right time and season, Jesus became flesh. In the fullness of time, he came and saved us from our sins. Enjoy the ride, for today is the day of salvation, and he has come for you. The seasons will come and go, but Christ is forever. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.